and who is it? Now, he doesn't indict everybody. He's not indicting the whole church in this discussion, but only those that are guilty. They're that, are, that are guilty. So when you come together, you do not eat the Lord's Supper. All right. He's accusing them that even when they say they're gathering to celebrate the Lord's Supper, they are not. It is not the Lord's Supper. Now, let's describe what we think is happening. Let's, let's go on. Let's get the rest of it, and then we'll put it all together. Okay? Not eating the Lord's Supper. 21. Each of you beforehand has his own dinner to eat and some are hungry and some are drunk all right now we can put it together the division among the people is between those who are rich and well-to-do and those who are uh, servants, day laborers, and slaves. What we gather was happening is that the wealthy would gather early because they got off work early. Now let me preface this by saying there was no such thing as Sunday at this point. No such thing as a day set aside for worship for the Christians. Absolutely none. Sunday didn't come along for a couple of centuries. Okay. People had to work all day, and then if they were going to gather with their fellow Christians, it had to be at night. Had to be at night. So what was happening was... The wealthy and well-to-do got off work earlier than those that were laborers, day laborers, and slaves. Now, the usual order, we think, was that they had what call, they called an agape meal, a love meal, before they celebrated the Lord's Supper. In other words, it was a gathering of Christian fellowship before they celebrated the Lord's Supper. They would have this dinner, and then they would celebrate the Lord's Supper. What was happening was the wealthy and well-to-do were getting there early and eating all the food and drinking all the drink. And they claimed, at the end, they were celebrating the Lord's Supper, and Paul says, no, you're not. No, you're not. So, then he goes on to say, um, for don't you have houses to eat and to drink? Do you despise the church of God? Do you humiliate those who have nothing, okay? So in other words, the poor folks. 
So this is not a division of Paul and Peter and, and Apollos. This is a division between rich and poor. And the rich were coming and basically making a mockery out of the meal so that those that came late got nothing and some of the ones that were already there were drunk. I sure am glad I was not the pastor in Corinth. This place is a mess, okay? They can mess up any part of the Christian faith. So, that's what's going on. That's what's going on. And Paul says at the end, what do I say to you? Do I commend you? In this, I do not commend you. Okay? So he is condemning this practice of people, and these were all house churches, see? That, that's the problem. These were house churches. To make matters worse, the indication is these meals that they had together were probably held in those that owned larger homes. So, they were making a mockery out of the Lord's Supper, just making it a fun meal without any emphasis on what they're supposed to be doing spiritually and taking advantage of one another um, by the rich leaving out, ignoring the poor. That's why he says, do you humiliate those that have nothing? Okay? So this was the abuse that was going on in Corinth. And it's been discussed for ages, but that's what was happening. Now that he has condemned that practice, he is going to instruct them concerning the Lord's Supper. And that is where we get some of the clearest instruction on the celebration of the Lord's Supper in the New Testament. Okay? So, uh, unless there are questions about the first few verses, we'll start with 27. Yeah. We have no idea. Yes, the Passover. I do not know that. Where the, the agape male paralleled the Old Testament Passover. Um, of course, Christ rose on what we call Sunday. We view that as the last day of the week. They viewed it as the first day of the week because Jews worshipped on Saturday. Okay? Whether they did this every Sunday, I don't know. But it was not during the day. It was at night. 
because they had to work. They had to work. But how often? I don't know. I don't know that. Okay, 27. Uh, no, excuse me, 23. Okay. For I... Um, basically, it's handed over from the Lord. I receive from the Lord and hand it over to you. Okay? I received it from the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly when this was. We don't know if this was receiving it from the Lord because he had heard the apostles that were there talk about it, or whether it was part of the revelation on the road to Damascus. Okay? But he delivered what he received from the Lord to them. That... The Lord Jesus, on the night that he was handed over, took bread. Now, I want to talk about that word there a minute. We're used to the word betrayed. The word here in Corinthians is expressly handed over. When we think of the word betrayed, what do we immediately think of? Judas. But if we look at this... It's handed over. God handed his own son over to be crucified. So the word betrayed emphasizes Judas' action. The word handed over emphasizes that it's God's plan. Okay? It's God's plan. Okay? On the night he was handed over, he took bread... And giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body given for you. Okay? Actually, this is my body on behalf of you. The preposition used there is a preposition that is used all over the New Testament to express that somebody does something in your behalf. And when it's used of Christ, it's emphasizing the substitutionary atonement. That Christ was your substitute. That he died and rose again in your behalf. In your behalf. So, um, this is my blood in your, or this is my body in your behalf. This do in my remembrance. So also the cup, after dinner, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do, as often as you drink, drink it in my remembrance. All right, now, those are the words of institution. <clears throat> And you say, that doesn't sound exactly like what we say in church. What we say as part of the liturgy is a compilation of the words of institution that are in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and 1 Corinthians. 
they took those four accounts and put them side by side and formulated the present words of institution that we use in church so that no element within the four accounts is neglected. So that everything that is said in the four accounts is included. That's what we say in church. It's not Matthew, Mark, or Luke, or 1 Corinthians. It's a compilation of the four. So that every aspect of every account is in the words that we say. Understand what I'm saying? Okay. So that we put them together. Yes. Yeah, yes. Well, but an important thing to remember is um, that in behalf of that preposition, this is my body in behalf of you. That's really the substitutionary atonement that is the forgiveness of sins. But there is no doubt it does focus on remembrance. We'll talk about that. Because it's not just remembrance as we sometimes think it. Okay? Now, let me finish this here. Um, for as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the death of the Lord until he comes. That adds body to the term remembrance. This is not just a remembrance in the uh, aspect of remembering history. You proclaim the death of the Lord. That is, when you celebrate this sacrament, you actively proclaim Jesus Christ died for you. So it's more than a remembrance. It is an active proclamation of what Jesus Christ did for us. What Jesus Christ did for us. Okay, now, um, before we get into the rest of it, let me talk a little bit about the sacrament. We talked about the, the fact that this is an active proclamation. The one thing that we need to always remember is this. The sacrament is not ours. The sacrament is not ours. The sacrament belongs to Jesus Christ. Okay? What does that mean? That means he doesn't care about your opinion. He doesn't care about the way you think it ought to be celebrated. It's his. And the only way we know how he wants it celebrated is to look at his word. Okay? So, 
just get the, 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 get the notion out of your head, well, I think this. We don't care. What we care is what God says, what Christ says. Okay? And the next three verses are the best instruction we have on how he wants his sacrament celebrated. Okay? And these words have been studied and studied, and we're going to go through them. Uh, we always go through this very carefully in confirmation class because it is so important. It is so important. We have the words of institution, and now he gives three verses of how we are to do this. Verse 27. Whoever eats of the bread of the cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. Okay. What does unworthy mean? Certainly without proper reverence or honor, but the prime emphasis here is you would be unworthy if you came and did not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. So we never, under any circumstances, commune an unbeliever. Okay? Never. And this is the practice in the Lutheran Church. We don't commune unbelievers. But there's something very important here that we have to realize in verse 27. If you do drink of it unworthily. You're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. You're guilty. Can you be guilty of drinking bread and wine? Eating bread and drinking wine? No. For you to be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord they have to be there. You have to be partaking of the body and blood of Christ. Otherwise, if you're not partaking of them, you can't be guilty of them. Which is one of the big reasons why we believe that in the sacrament we receive the body and blood of Christ. This verse says you do. In fact, this verse says that anybody that comes to that rail receives it. Because even if they're an unbeliever, they're going to receive it unworthily and they're guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Everybody that comes to the rail receives the body and blood of Christ. Okay? That's what this verse says. If you are a believer, you are receiving it worthily. If you are an unbeliever, you are receiving it under punishment. Okay? But you are receiving the body and blood of Christ. Okay? Yes. 
you're still getting the body and blood of Christ and you got a problem. We do not know what to do with those that refuse to believe that the body and blood of Christ are there. There has been tremendous debate and there are church bodies that do not believe it's there. Okay? That's above my pay grade. Let God sort that out. Yes. Well, that's the argument. That if you, the church body does not believe in the real presence, then it's not there. Then it's not there. Okay. Yes. Yes. They do. And they hit real hard in remembrance. I'm going to get to that in a minute. There are three basic beliefs about the Lord's Supper. The Lutheran Church says that because of Christ's words of institution, he took bread and said, this is my body. The bread and the, and the body are there. And that, same thing with the cup. They are really and truly there. Then there are those churches that believe in either, uh, that believe that it's a symbolic presence they trifle with the word is and they make it into represent or symbolize don't trifle with the word of Christ he said is so they only believe they only believe you receive bread and wine as a memory meal you do not receive the true body and blood Christ. Yes, Des. You, you've got to study that, but by even Luther's time, uh, the Calvinistic churches did not believe that Christ was truly present. Now, this all goes back, I'll give you the whole nine yards. This all goes back to something that is called the doctrine of ubiquity. And it has a direct effect on the belief in the sacrament. The doctor, doctrine of ubiquity is that when Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of God, he can still be present body and soul everywhere. It says he can. But the Reformed churches teach that when Jesus Christ sat down at the right hand of God, his body is located there and cannot move. His body is located there and cannot move. He can only be present spiritually. 
At that, Luther blew his cork. Okay? Luther blew his... How dare you tell God that he's nailed to a chair? Okay? Why can we receive the true body and blood of Christ? Because he can be present everywhere bodily. But they refuse to acknowledge the bodily, so they only believe in the spiritual. Yes. Yes. It is denying uh, what is called the reciprocity of the second genus. I won't get into that. Okay? But that's what it's doing. It's denying that Christ can communicate his divine attributes to his humanity. Yes. Well, yeah. There are all kinds of questions here. It's a, it's a domino effect, because if you believe he's nailed to the chair, it affects lots of doctrines. Okay? Now, that's the first two. The third is the Roman Catholic view. The Roman Catholic view is called transubstantiation. And it simply says that when the priest blesses the elements, they change. And the bread and wine are no longer there. It only looks like bread and wine. It is now the body and blood of Christ. No bread and wine. This is why they, um, they put a tabernacle on the wall in the uh, chancel and leave the posts that have been blessed in there because it's the body of Christ. It's the body of Christ. That's why they used to have Corpus Christi processions. They would parade the blessed host through the streets, and they told the people they had to worship it because it was the body of Christ. All right, now let me tell you what we believe about all that stuff. We believe, again, that just based on the words, and the word is... You receive bread, and with it you receive the body of Christ. You receive wine, and with it you receive the blood of Christ. The pastor who says the words of institution over the bread and the wine has no special power, no special words, and he does not change anything. He's a human being. We say the words of institution over bread and wine to say we are going to use this bread and this wine for the holy purpose of celebrating the Lord's Supper and the Lord Jesus sees to it that when you eat the bread and drink the wine, you are receiving his body and blood. No human being can do that. So Christ is seeing to it that you 
receive his body and blood with that bread and wine that we have set aside for this holy purpose. It is Christ's sacrament, and he's the one that sees to it. The pastor does not have the power to do that. He does not have the power. No human being does. So it is Christ, it is his sacrament, and he is the one that sees to it that you receive the blessings of that sacrament. Ruth. Okay, what do we do with the elements afterwards? They're bread and wine. Okay? The wine, the bread, go back to the sacristy and are probably used the next time. We do not worship them. We do not, uh, uh, they, they have been used for a holy purpose, so we don't dishonor them. If there's a common cup and there's wine in it, there's two ways to deal with it. Either the pastor drinks it or you pour it on the ground. Okay? But we do not worship the elements. We do not worship the elements once they've been consecrated. Okay? Yes? Yeah, go ahead and tell them about that. They do, but they don't believe that you're going to receive the body and blood in the sacrament. They don't believe it. It's a memory meal. The church does not believe it. Now, here, here's where the rubber hits the road. Here's where it's real fun to be a pastor. Because it happens all the time. It's two minutes till church starts. And the ushers bring back a person who's a Presbyterian. And the Presbyterian says, I'd like to commune today. So you ask two questions. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the only Savior from sin death? That establishes if they're a Christian, they will answer yes. Do you receive that, you believe that you receive the body and blood of Christ with the bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins? That is not the doctrine of the Presbyterian Church. If they say no, I believe this, then I would say, we do not hold the same beliefs about what is happening in the Lord's Supper. 
And until we can have a further discussion of this, I would ask you to not commune today. Okay? Catholics out too. Steve, you're always wanting an exception for the Catholics. Now, that's the problem. I'm getting to that. I'm getting to that. But what if this Presbyterian, you ask him, do you receive the body and blood of Christ with bread and wine for the forgiveness of your sins? And he says, yes. First thing I say is, you ought to be a Lutheran. Because that's not what your church body believes. And then you've got to make a call. Can they commune? Or can't they? You're the pastor. You answer to God. What do you do? What do you do? Okay? There are pastors all over this church, and they would answer that a different way. Some would say he allows them to commune. Some would say no. Now, to Steve's question, what about Roman Catholics? The Roman Catholic Church is actually closer to our church because they believe you get something. They believe you get the body and blood of Christ for forgiveness. They believe that, but they believe it's no longer bread and wine. Still, still, if they uh, uphold the doctrines of the Catholic Church at their altar, then we would not allow them to commune. We would not allow them to commune. Yes. Yep, I knew he was going to ask. <laughs> Then you uh, there are lots of people that argue you can commune there because you do believe the words and you will receive the Lord's Supper. You will receive his body and blood. Then there are those that say, because their altar does not believe that, you will not. Have a good time. There, there is no easy answer to that question. I've heard it debated and debated and debated. It's up, you know, like I would never do that because I was a pastor of the church. I can't go to a Baptist church and commune. Oh, the Lutheran pastor communed today. It would be a, 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 an offense. Is an offense when a Lutheran communes at a Baptist altar. There you are. Every conscience has to decide. Yes. It depends on what... Well, yes, the Catholic Mass says that Christ is re-sacrificed every time they celebrate the Lord's Supper. Every time. 
okay? And, and if, you go to the, if you go to the Catholic Church, they're not going to let you come in. They're not going to let a Lutheran Because they have a communion practice that's very much like ours. But those that believe that you don't receive the body and blood, you can't be guilty of the body and blood. Therefore, they just open it to everyone. The other distinction is this. The more important you think the sacrament is, the more often you celebrate it. So we celebrate it a lot. Catholic Church may celebrate it every Sunday. And, and um, it's important. The Reformed Church probably celebrates it once every three or four months. Okay? Not important. Not important. I see other hand. Yes. Yeah. We just we just would not use the word transubstantiation because that implies that the bread and wine disappear. Accidents and substance. Uh, Aristotle's arguments, okay? Correct, they are arguing substance change. We do not. We believe it is an addition to receive bread and the body of Christ not a substance change, okay? Not a substance change. Yes. The absolution? Uh, we'll get to that. That's the next verse of instruction. Okay? Yes. No. Well, and that was their fault. Because, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you the history. There's history to all this stuff. As often as you drink it, as often as you eat, as often as you drink, you proclaim the Lord's uh, um, death until he comes. So, um, they found this quote in Luther. Poor Luther. They asked him, if you're the pastor, how many times should a person commune before you get concerned about their spiritual welfare. Luther said, well, as an absolute minimum, they've got to commune four times a year. So what do the Lutherans say? Well, four times is enough. That's not what he said. That's the minimum. So a lot of churches only used to celebrate it a minimal number of times. As often means 
often. Steve used to have communion every day. You think you're better than us? <laughs> Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> yes. Let me talk about that. Let me answer this one first, and then I'll talk about that. Uh, if you ask the LCMS for a position, it's probably don't commute. Ask the big fella. Okay? Ask the big fella. Um, it's, okay, so the question is, what about military? Or what about a chaplain? There are. There are extenuating, extenuating circumstances where, let's say, a military chaplain is uh, the only, the Lutheran chaplain is the only chaplain there. He's not going to commune people that don't believe in the real presence but he may commune other Lutherans not of the Missouri sin. And that is allowed for. <laughs> Don't ask me. Okay. Now, if, let's say, a, 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 a military man is going into battle, may never come back. He wants to take communion. And he goes and takes communion from a Roman Catholic chapel. What do you believe the Lord's going to do with that? I would think so. I always would rather err on the side of the gospel than the law. I would rather answer to God for communing somebody I shouldn't than denying somebody that deserved it, and I didn't give it to him. So if I'm going to err, I'm going to err on the side of the gospel. Yes. Right. Because it's hurting them. We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. We've only gotten through one verse of instruction. There are two more, <clears throat> okay? And we're obviously not going to get through those this week. <clears throat> so, as we begin with the whole Lord's Supper, we, we still proclaim this is Christ's. And we do our best to celebrate it as Christ reveals in his word. But there's not every contingency. 
folks, when these constructions were given, there were no denominations. You were Christian or you weren't. That complicates. And there's all kinds of things that sinful people do that can complicate it. So we're going to close there. We'll continue next week and, and with the other two instructions and some final words of Paul. And uh, uh, you can think about these things because some of them are very difficult. And they're not black and white. They're not black. If you make them black and white, you're probably going to run into some real problems because when you make them black and white, it's because you've said this is the way Christ wants it. And, uh, well, we'll see. We'll discuss it some more next week. Okay, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.